and we are live. Hello and a very warm welcome to Not The 92 Podcast, your relentlessly passionate, informative, analytical and unapologetically satirical weekly show dedicated to all things Panorama National League. My name is Greg Clark and it's an absolute privilege to be your host. Now I'm going to start by being completely honest with you all. If what you're looking for here is 45 minutes of calm, peaceful serenity, well, you've simply came to the wrong place. Alternatively, however, if you need an escape from the drudgery and monotony of everyday life, especially during what's a mental pandemic, if you'd like funny anecdotes from all manner of National League, National League North and South characters, not to mention a wrecking ball of knowledge, welcome to the party, brothers and sisters. Now, I know what you're all thinking. Your minds are probably all asking, what the hell is that Glaswegian guy doing presenting a National League show in England, the fifth tier, sixth tier of English football? Now, you must be thinking, that's not very authentic, isn't it? Why isn't a local Englishman presenting this? Well, to be honest, you're probably correct. I love National League football, but I simply would not be able to build this podcast empire alone. So I'm ably abetted by a strong team of experts who I have pulled together from all walks of life. Now, introducing first our National League North expert, and who we like to call as the Margate magician, I'd like to introduce to you all Tom Mitchell. Tom, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing well, thanks. It's a lovely sunny day outside. There's no place I'd rather be at the moment and talk to you guys about all things nationally on the Not The 92 podcast. So I've taken a particular interest to Delvington National League North as I've got roots up in the northeast. I've been to a fair few Darlington and Gateshead games over my time, but I look forward to talking about all the great clubs in National League North. It's a real good competitive division. So I look forward to leading all the National League North chat. And I hope the listeners enjoy. That's a passion we share. And what I must um, caveat there is Tom is actually a mad Newcastle United fan. So that, I mean, I mean, feel free to bombard him with abuse in the email section. I mean, that, that's what it's there for ultimately. Isn't that right, Tom? Yeah, if, if you have any anti-Newcastle opinions. I've, I'm pretty used to it though. My other half of my family Middlesbrough fans. So I'm pretty <laughs> used to it over the years. <laughs> God, I love a smoggy Jordy Derby. What, a great, what great times we live in. So, that was uh, Tom Mitchell, who you'll be hearing from a lot throughout the podcast. Secondly, in our cavalry, is our National League South correspondent and head of our transfer committee, Oliver Smart. Ollie, how are you doing as the Sultan of Sutton? How are you, mate? Oh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic, despite the uh, heat wave that's going on in the UK right now. Yeah, how do you think it feels to be a Scotsman, mate? Being a Glaswegian does not make me immune from, from, uh, from this mental heat wave. I mean, living, living in London for three years now, and it's, uh, it, never, it never gets easier. So, yes. And finally, we are when we were meant to be joined by Ahmed, who actually is, a, well, is known as the Brixton boss man. Let's get that out there. But, of course, he uh, unfortunately has had to pull out this evening. So, Tom will be talking all things National League with you tonight as well. We will also be joined by the one, the only, ex-Sutton United manager and current Havant and Waterlooville manager, Paul Doswell. The legend that is Dos will be joining us in around 15 minutes' time. So stay tuned for that. It's a good one, I promise you. So without further ado, let's go jog on to the National League with Tom Mitchell. Now, Tom, it's been an interesting couple of weeks in the National League, as well as Dos will obviously um, attest to as well. Um, what's been happening in the National League? What are the main headlines? Yes, after celebrating their promotion to the Football League, Barrow fans have been hit with a bit of interesting news as Bolton have taken the interest in their manager, Ian Everton, and reportedly made an approach 
So Keith Hill was dismissed from Bolton Wanderers earlier this month and the search for Hill's success has been intense after Bolton's relegation from League One was confirmed. It is understood that Evett could be unveiled as Bolton's next manager as soon as the end of the week. But that's interesting as Barrow claimed there hasn't actually been an official approach yet. Uh, Barrow assistant manager Peter Atherton is also thought to be part of negotiations to join Bolton alongside Evett. As you know, Everett has been linked with moves to football league clubs before and interest in him is higher than ever after he guided Barrow to a National League title. Also, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here. I was reading about that, that case earlier on today because I knew we were going to talk about it tonight. Um, now, I'm reading that Bolton are prepared to pay 250 grand comp um, compensation to, to relieve um, uh, Everett from his contract at Barrow. Now, Bolton only about a year ago were in the midst of some mental takeover bid that Ken, and Ken Anderson was holding on to the club with, like, you know, like a mental ex-boyfriend, and he just refused to let go. They were experiencing like really, really bad financial turmoil and trouble. So I can't really afford to be paying that for a non-league manager who's never managed in the, the, the football league before. Well, Bolton have sussed out what it would cost to prize their top options away from other clubs, and anyone with a proven promotion track record, in League 2 especially, will not be cheap. I mean, it's reported that... Plymouth Argyle's Ryan Lowe would cost 200000 if he agreed to come back to Northwest. Obviously, Ian Everts had a, a six-figure price tag attached to him, as we talked about. We've got Swindon's Richie Wellens, Shrewsbury's Sam Ricketts, and Bristol City's Dean Holden as well. So thus far, Bolton have not made any official approach for someone in employment. But such are the dark arts of the recruitment process. That does not necessarily mean that there's not been indirect contact with the candidates at the very top of the list. I mean, could someone make a good enough case to tempt them into paying compensation? I think only time will tell on that one, Greg. I mean, now, what we do know with Ian Everett is he played for Blackpool for a long time. He's, he's a Northwest lad. It makes sense to, to, for him to... If, he's, if what he's looking for, if his key identifiers in his career are going to be a football league club that's not too far from where his family are based, I totally get the pull of Bolton. But why would you want your first job in the football league to be a total basket case? Look how many managers Sunderland have had in the last, what, five years? Jack Ross, Phil Parkinson. Who's the boy that was at? Um, it, was, it was on that documentary that they had. Um, oh, Simon Grayson, of course. I mean, he was a football league, like, managed, he was in a managerial medical round in the football league for a long, long time. Like, I mean, is it, sometimes the, the jump from the, I don't know, National League to football league isn't always, it's not always a kind of case of the grass is green on the other side of a different club. When Mark Cooper, back in 2007, um, he was manager at Kettering Town. Then he jumped straight off to get a Peterborough job. He only lasted less than a season. You know, I mean, it's not always a case of like, it doesn't always work necessarily to promote a manager who's just been very successful, who's just won the league, to get in like a club in the upper echelons of the League Two. And let's not forget, Bolton could easily be in the National League next season if they're not careful. Well, put it this way, it's a huge summer for Bolton Wanderer and especially for the head of football operations, Tobias Phoenix. He needs to make the right decisions this summer. They need a major restructure of the academy and the football department and Bolton have a real chance to press the reset button this summer. And it will be attractive to Ian Everett, the size of the club and I think the challenge that will be there and you know the stadium they've got and obviously they've been a, they've been a Premier League club not too long ago. It's, it's um, heartbreaking to see the demise they've had but as I said it, it, if they can get decisions right and have a young fresh minded manager like Ian Everett to spearhead it this summer it could be very interesting but personally I'd love to see what Ian Everett would do with Barrow next season could they have another promotion charge could Barrow be the next Lincoln City I mean I think Ian Everett has a very similar feel to what the Cowleys have done and 
I feel like the, that momentum Barra have and the style of football they play, I think it can work in the Football League. And you tend to see teams who come up from the National League to the Football League do really well. So it's going to be a dilemma for Ian Everett. I'm certainly interested to see how it's all going to play out. Of course, yeah. I mean, well, it remains to be seen if M. Bolton have the fiscal capability to, to shell out 250 grand a quarter, a million pound for a manager. Then again, the manager is arguably the most important like, individual or staff member in the whole club. I mean, they can set the tone. But Ian Everett probably, I mean, I, I don't know Ian Everett too well. I don't know him personally at all. But you'd imagine, based on the current success they've had, and who battled back them, in the transfer market in January to get a couple of good players in and last summer as well. He's clearly got a decent relationship with the board there. Like and that's dead important to have like a fruitful um, relationship with your chairman especially. It's, it's often not really spoke about often I don't get, I don't think um, enough credence is given to a good relationship between A, a chairman and B the manager, because that can be crucial. How many times do you see chairman and managers falling out and the whole club just becomes toxic? You know? I mean it's it, you never must look at Bolton and think that I really want to work under the new ownership, you know? It is interesting going to see if the size of the club, despite obviously the mess they're being in, that will entice him to get that job. It's going to be one which I can see both sides of the argument. I'm interested to see how it plays out, put it that way. Um, but I, I really like what Barrow have done. And it's often personal against Bolton. I'll be very <laughs> Are you sure, Matt? Are you sure, Tom? It seems yeah. quite a little vendetta. <laughs> I've actually never had any real bad feelings towards Bolton Wanderers, to be honest. It's been awful to see, to see their plight. And I, I really do hope it it gets sorted for them. Obviously, the points deduction out at the start of the season, I think it looked like they were only going one way to lead to. So, this is a massive season to make sure, obviously, that they don't spiral down to National League and, you know, and Bolton aren't part of the Not, not the 92 podcast and, you know, the I'm not. To come. Yeah, just last point on Bolton. If you never does go to Bolton, I wish him well. I just advise him to, to go to the stadium and stay in the hotel. Bolton to this day is the only stadium I've ever been to where there's a hotel built into the stadium. You open up your curtains and you look at the corner flag. I was like, well, oh, this is class. Anyway, so... He's a shout for that as well, actually. Um, they have a Holiday Inn looking right into the stadium, actually. You get a lovely view. Um, Where's that? Uh, uh, Carroll Road. Oh, do they, I? Yeah, so that, that's, a, that's another one, actually. And actually, linking in with the non-league, Margate, um, just down the road from me, um, they've got plans to, to build a hotel behind their ground. So it's interesting if, how that plays out. So it seems to be a popular th- It seems to be a more popular thing these days, as well as something like 3G pitches. Of course, I mean, if uh, the barrel chairman is listening, maybe he can use the 250k to finance a hotel, uh, hotel deal to in, in the back of the new south stand. I mean, that's a very interesting point on the Bolton Barrel saga. We'll, we'll see what's going to happen there. So what else is happening in the National League? All players and key staff of clubs competing in the playoffs will have to undergo regular coronavirus tests and stadiums will have to be sanitised in order to ensure the five scheduled playoff matches can go ahead safely as planned. And with teams returning to training this week, several safety measures have been put in place with players initially training in small groups to help maintain social distancing regulations. Full contact training will then be introduced with the playoff eliminator matches set to take place on the weekend of July the 18th. Bournemouth will welcome Halifax Town and Yeovil Town will host Barnet with places in the semi-finals at Harrogate Town and Notts County respectively up for grabs. This season marks the first National League campaign in which the two sides relegated from League 2 the previous season have taken part in the playoffs with Notts County and Yeovil caused both seeking an immediate return to the EFL. Playoff semi-finals will take place on the weekend of July the 25th. And so the date for the 2019 uh, 20 National League playoff final has pre- provisionally been set for Friday 
uh, the 31st of July. A neutral venue for the final is yet to be confirmed. Obviously, it will usually be played at Wembley Stadium in normal circumstances. And also, despite initially being hit hard by the shutdown of the football season, with mass redundancies and emergency measures to preserve the club, promptly announced back in March, Barnet has arguably benefited more than any side from the manner in which the season has concluded. Obviously, the B sat a length in the table, but because of the points-per-game format, it's helped Darren Curry's side jump into the final playoff position. And former Hartlepool United favourite Scott Loach feels the club has deserved its playoff opportunity. Uh, he said, I think as a group, when we beat Woken away, I think the fans and the staff, everyone got that feeling that we were in a good in with a good chance and particularly four games in hand uh you know now we're in the playoffs and we have to take the opportunity uh to give us a chance to get promoted he, did. he was on the he was on the cusp of an england call-up or he was called up for england uh, back in the day i'm sure back in the days with scott carson i, I think it was him and scott carson making a line for the third choice you know do you know that if you go to a world cup and you're a third choice goal you're basically there to to sit, sit with the hamper aren't you in the dressing room you're not really there to contribute but still it's a decent wee holiday in south africa if you went to the world cup in 2010 so yes, I mean, all of those teams you mentioned who um, are going to be involved in the upcoming playoffs, um, who do you think, based on their squad strength, based on team morale and recent form, like what form before and when we went into shutdown, um, who do you think has got its best resource to go up? You know what? You've got the three favourites in Harrogate, Yeovil, Notts County, but I'm just going to go for the team lurking below them in Bournemouth. I feel like it's a happy medium uh, when I'm predicting this because I like to go for a, a bit of a dark course. But I feel like this is one with quality. You've got Tishamanga, one of the best attackers in the league. Tara Marsh has been superb as well. Ricketts has been fantastic in defence midfield. A real solid veteran for them. And speaking of veterans, they've got Matt Reid as well. That promotion experience he's got with Lincoln City. I think Bourne would have a very solid defence. I just feel they'll go under the radar a bit when people are predicting. And I, I'm, I'm going to go for Bournemouth. Yes, you've got Harrogate who've been one of the most progressive clubs in, in the National League. Yeovil, Notts County, two of the biggest names with quality as well, obviously. Notts County were on great form, to be fair, before the league got suspended. But I think Luke Garrard's done a great job at Bournemouth. And obviously they missed out a couple of years ago, getting beat by Tram in the final. I just think this year might be their year. Personally, I think um, if you're going to look at the playoffs, I think you do look at you, you look at the league table. I mean, so 1-10 to 10 in, the, in the National League, you've got Barrow, Harrogate, Notts County, Yeovil. Bournemouth, Halifax, Stockport, Solihomers, Hartlepool United, and Woking. Five or six of those teams have been in football league recently. You do think, like, surely, you just need one season to, to kind of, one kind of stellar season to then have a chance of going up. But that means there's a few of those clubs who might not be in the league next year. So it might make for a more competitive league where we might see more teams who have not previously had a presence in the football league. They, they, they might start, you might start to see a few kind of less, kind of lesser fancy teams, you know, and making an impression on the football league. But, I mean, you look at Hartlepool there, they finished ninth and played 39 games. That's two less than Barrow, who won the league, you know, um, and they finished 15 points off them. I mean, Hartlepool don't have like a stand on there. They can't really have a case to say, oh, we can't end the season. But still, that's their problem, not ours. So, yes, and um, before we go, before we do eventually speak to Dawes, uh, which I believe is in a couple of minutes, Tom, um, yeah. then we will, I suppose, just have a little chat about other headlines in the National League, man. What else has been going on? So the Wrexham Regeneration Project sounds very exciting. The two critically important plots of land have been acquired by the Welsh Government as part of preparatory steps for the Wrexham Gateway development. 
demonstrating the commitment to this project, Minister for North Wales Ken Skates has said, the Wrexham Gateway partnership between Wrexham County Borough Council, Wrexham University, Wrexham Football Club and the Welsh Government is continuing to develop its plans for the regeneration of the Mould Road area of the town. So two key strands of the proposals are the creation of the regionally significant sporting and event stadium at the racecourse ground and the integration of the public transport network with improved links between bus and rail services. So the plots acquired are the former garage showroom on the junction of Crispin Lane and Mould Road, including the land immediately behind the cop stand at the race course. This land is expected to accommodate in part a newly developed stand at the football ground. Sounds very exciting. And the second plot is the former countrywide stores building opposite to Wrexham General Station. It's intended to be developed primarily to improve the interface between bus and rail transport and other developments. That sounds a fantastic project uh, for Wrexham and I wish them well that. And again, Wrexham, a, a club who've had a, a real disappointing season, but a club that everyone says they just get it right. You know, Rec everyone thinks that Wrexham, with the fan base they've got uh, and, and the history that they really should be in the Football League. And it's been very tricky for them, but a project like this will definitely breathe new life into the club and the area as well. It, it sounds really exciting and I, I wish Wrexham uh, the best of luck with it. I agree, actually. No, it's, the, it's the old stomping ground of Preston striker, Louis Moult, who they, they could really do with. But you look at the plans. Um, I mean, they're redeveloping the disused copy end, but they're also, it's also been confirmed, that, as you say, the plans include a fourth hotel, a conference facility, and improvements to, like you say, um, the Wrexham General Train Station. And that's obviously designed to facilitate improved access to the town centre. But that's going to be huge for the economy of Wrexham, generally speaking, you know. Okay, so now um, that's enough on the Wrexham chat. I'm sure we will revisit it down the podcast. Um, so I'm very, very delighted to say on our maiden show, on a pilot episode, we're joined by the one and only Paul Doswell. Paul, how you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Ah, very well, thank you. Very well indeed, I Again, you'll be wondering too why a Scottish guy is presenting this show. But uh, it'll become more apparent as you listen into the podcast down the weeks, mate. <laughs> Seriously, you have to slow down. That's too quick for me. Oh, really? <laughs> I get that quite a lot, to be fair, Paul. It's not something I can control, sadly. <laughs> so, yes. Thanks very much for coming on, Paul. It's a, it's a privilege to speak to you. And I do believe that Tom's got, got thousands of questions for you regarding, of course, your, your very, very um, well, clear stance on what the Promote 2 campaign was about. And, yeah, we'd just like to hear a bit more about your thoughts about that. We were waiting for, all of us were waiting for probably 12 weeks for the EFL to make their decision. Uh, and it was very clear that the National League, you know, Chief Executive himself said that the National League were tied to the EFL vote, uh, which is why we had to wait. Yeah. And when we knew the EFL had voted uh, for promotion relegation, then obviously that was good for us in the context of football because, you know, it meant that we were uh, going to have a chance to to be in the playoffs and uh, that was great. Um, as I said, the government advice came out on the 30th of May, uh, which we've read and we were comfortable with it. Um, we had a meeting then, a Zoom meeting. The National League asked the North and South clubs to attend a Zoom meeting on Thursday. And on the Wednesday evening, literally at 9.30 at night, we got an email saying, sorry chaps, um, we've just received government advice that says you're not. Uh, elite athletes and therefore you're not able to uh, play in the playoffs and yeah. that was reiterated in the Zoom meeting uh, the following day 
and uh, they said they had guidance and a letter from the government, uh, and that's what they were making their decision on. And um, you know, it, it was really left like that. The clubs were just gobsmacked, really, that you know, that having thought we were allowed to go in it, uh, that we were then told that we weren't. And then we, even within that meeting, you know, the, the National League were saying, you know, we're, we're doing new clubs a favour. It's going to be seventy-five to one hundred and fifty thousand pounds to compete in it. You know, you should almost be thanking us for uh, for not letting you compete. Yeah. And you know, really, that's what stemmed from you know from from my tweet on the Thursday night, which was I got angry and angry about it. Um, they they wouldn't uh, hadn't produced a letter on the Thursday. Uh, so the annoyance was more on the fact that how could they wait until Wednesday evening at nine thirty to let you know. You know, when we've been waiting for nearly 16 weeks to get the answer, none of it just none of it just added up to me. And uh, you know, I, I think one o'clock in the morning, like I tend to do, uh, very rarely tweet. It's not really my thing, social media. But yeah, you know, my thoughts and uh, how disappointed I was. And you know, I tagged my local MP in on the tweet. And uh, I think I went to bed about three o'clock that morning. Uh, most of the fans know that. I'm very rare that all stuff get up too easy. Um, and Kate, Kate sort of shook, shook me awake at night in the morning. So, you know, the MPs on the phone, can you get down to the ground and uh, and meet them and discuss it? Now, ultimately, we found out there was no letter uh, that had been sent to the National League or FA. Uh, there was no government directive. And, and, and the elite athlete is actually very, very clear. It's a, it's a, it's a sportsman that derives an income um, from playing. Yeah playing sport, it doesn't say it has to be a full-time income, you have to be a full-time professional, but everyone at, at the South and the North, certainly the National League, you know, derives some income, whether that's £100 a week or £600 a week. Of course. That was, um, so Paul's referring to Alan Mack, MP, who's the MP for Havant constituency. Um, I was going to ask you how instru instrumental he was in this, in this campaign. Uh, crucial. I think that Alan Mack made a very quick discovery. He's, he's a, uh, obviously an MP, but you know, one of the, the benefits of Alan was that he was very friendly with the sports minister, Nigel Huddleston, so he was able to go right to the very top uh, to ask the questions. The DCMS, Digital Cultural Media and Sport, confirmed that no such directive had been given. And obviously Alan used you know, the How to Commons headed paper, which always looks very effective. Uh, he wrote to the league, he wrote to the FA, and you know, it, it was then that, um, you know, when we realised that it just didn't seem right in any shape or form that, you know, we got together with York City, who was the other club and ultimately massively affected by this. And it wasn't the fact that we wanted or expected to go up because we were second place. That wasn't the point. The, the point was, and it, it was the integrity of the thing, to allow us to choose whether we could do the playoffs or not. Um, and York and us got together on the Friday. Uh, did the hashtag promote two campaign, and I think by Friday evening it was number one on UK trending. So, you know, an incredible show of support from the football family. And you know, like I said, I think that everyone accepted what's right and what's wrong in this situation. And it was clearly, you know, it was clearly wrong. They were trying to, I, in my opinion, anyway, they were trying to keep Ebbsfleet and Files, uh, you know, in that league, and they mm. preferred it if the North and South had just gone away, you know, quietly and. You know, people invested too much time and money and effort into that season to allow the rules not to, you know, not, not to take place. Yeah. Uh, so, Doz, um, just 
now moving on to the football side of things with the playoffs coming up, how are, how are the team preparing and um, uh, ready for um, the upcoming playoffs and how do you, how do you think uh, you guys will do in it? I think the thing is, Tom, um, you know, whilst we fought for the principal to take part in the playoffs, there is a 67-page protocol uh, to take part in. And really, everyone at the football club, certainly all from the directors down, all they've been doing is working their steps off to get a health and safety executive on board, to get a COVID medical officer, um, to get our club doctor involved, to, to actually fill out the 67 pages, because we're not even, uh, unless uh, we start testing, which is going to be on the 2nd of July. So we start our testing on the 2nd of July. Uh, the following week, you can only do six uh, with six players at given times. We then get another test on the 9th, and of course we're assuming that everyone's clear, which I think they would be. We're then allowed to progress on. So it's a phased return to training. And so we're not technically allowed to play, I think, until about the 11th of July. So the players, Tom, aren't actually back with us until uh, it's a week today, actually, that they're back. So at the moment, I know the players very well. I know they'll be looking after themselves. We we haven't seen anyone for four months. We've not been allowed to. And uh, just moving on to other issues in football, which you talked about as well. So, um, how much how much worries do you have for for players who haven't budgeted for severe cuts to wages in the future? And how much do you think football needs to have a major reset now? I think on both points, it's um, you know it's certainly going to come. Uh, football is uh, going to be hard hit, I'm afraid, over this next year. The same as every other business is going to be hard hit. Um, you know, all of our players, we, we've discussed it with them. You know, you're talking a 35% pay cut if they want to stay at the club. Even if they're on contract, you know, it's, it's something which we discuss with all the players. And you know, I've got to say they've been they've been excellent. They they appreciate the the cash flow problems, especially that there's going to be uh, at non-league clubs and League One and Two clubs. And I think it's a you know it's a reported fact that there's going to be probably 1,500 League One, League Two players available on a free transfer now, and they'll struggle to find the club because none of us can start paying any players. Uh, like we used to until we know when the season is going to restart. Even then, as I said, the cash flow has been hit so hard. There's been no summer income uh, for the, you know, within the bars and all, all the different weddings and, and birthdays, bits and pieces. And, and clubs make a lot of money in the summer to get ready to pay their first month's wages. And mm. you know, where they've not had that, it's a real problem because you know to try and find the first month's wage bill when they come back is going to be, well, I think the first three months' wage bills is going to be the hardest thing. Uh, do you think a wage cap is needed as well in League One, League Two, uh, and the National League North and South? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Listen, it's it's gone too too far the other way with the players, and it has done for for years and years. And you know, all of us who play earn good money from football, so it's you know, you've got to be a bit careful here what you say. But ultimately, yes, um, if there's not a reset in football, then clubs are going to go bust. Um, you know, listen, I as you know, I absolutely love my time at Sutton. And I wouldn't change it for the world. But when you know we were continually having to fight for every penny just to keep up with the Joneses. And you know if you want to stay at the level, uh, the National League level and and National South, and you know it is very very expensive. And one of the things that I call is regional football again because you know I, I'll never forget the time that we went to Halifax. Um, you know on the Tuesday night, and I think it had been called off on the Saturday. And by the time we got there. You know, it was a train. We'd already paid, I think, at least six thousand pounds 
uh, to get to Halifax, and it's, it's just for a club like Sutton, and you know they're a brilliantly run club. You know, it, it, it's very, very hard, and that you know that sort of six thousand pounds now is, is is a lot of money. It's going to be a lot of money in the future, and you know, can you justify it? Um, and that you know, and at Sutton, we we always took the best, the cheapest route. You know, we we very rarely stayed overnight like most of the clubs do. An away trip in the non-league can be as much as eight or nine thousand in the national league now, with overnight stays and coaches and everything else that they do. It's frightening. Another thing I want to talk to you about is um, parachute payments. Do you think they should be reduced? I think parachute payments are an evil. If I'm being honest in the game, um, you know, one of the one of the uh, major issues is, is is what the Premiership clubs get when they get relegated. If that money was evenly spread throughout League One, League Two, and the National League. There would be virtually no clubs if there was a salary cap and the parachute payments were levelled out. Clubs wouldn't have a financial problem. Um, but it's, it's you know unfortunate football. The rich get richer. Certainly in the Premier League, that's happened. Um, but you can't justify you know this four hundred odd million that they're talking about only goes to about twelve clubs really. Yeah. And when you think that National League gets fifty eight thousand pounds, it's an absolute joke to be honest. So you know. The football pyramid, if it's going to keep going, it's going to exist. Needs it all needs to change, and salary caps and uh, and, and bigger chunks of money coming down the pyramid uh, have got to be the way forward. I just want to get your views as well on the the Premier League uh, solidarity payments that happened uh, in in this period. Mm. Well, there haven't been any. Um, you know, all, they made a great statement for their own PR purposes. They forwarded they forwarded the payments that were due this season. So. If clubs have gone and spent that money, um, it just means they're going to be short come September when the money was due. So there's not one extra penny that I'm aware of that's come down from the Premier League into non-league football, the National League or the National North-South. Not one penny. Uh, it looked good. It looked good in the paper when they said it, but the reality is uh, not one penny different. And um, as I said, I fear for a lot of clubs because if they've had to spend that money to keep themselves going, what are they going to do in September when they don't get the money that they normally get? And lastly, Doz, um, obviously the season ended abruptly, but it's been your first season at Hamlet Waterlooville. Um, with the football you played this season, um, what, what have you made of your first season at Hamlet and how have you connected with the club and what have you thought of the players? I thought it's, it's, it's a great first season. We, um, we obviously changed the daytime. Uh, I wanted to put everything that had been successful at Sutton the same process at Hamlet. You know, everyone knows that for me it was it was purely about the travelling. To only be half an hour from the ground is is, is, is massive, to be honest. Uh, so to get you know, virtually a new squad, uh, we suffered five major injuries. You know, worked people out for four and five months, serious injuries as well within that squad. Uh, to get to second, and we were chasing Wheelstone. No one's ever going to know if we would have caught them or not. But we won our last five games. It felt very similar to that year that we won the National South at Sutton, where we just kept. You know, winning and winning, but I've got to say, Wildstone were were outstanding as a team. Uh, they were relentless as well. We just, you know, three points behind them, had a game in hand. So credit to Wildstone. But you know, we go into the playoffs um, in good heart. But you know, they, they've become a massive lottery in that sense because none of us know. We haven't played for four months, and none of us know what sort of form and fitness everyone's going to be at when the uh, when the playoffs happen, which is for us the 25th of July. Well, Doz, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Not 92 podcast as our first guest. Uh, you talked on some very key issues in football. And, uh, yeah, we really appreciate your time this evening, Doz. No, no problem, lads. We'll say very good luck with the 
sure everyone else has something for me. Brilliant. Thank I'm you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye, mate. Bye, bye. Bye. That was uh, well, that was Paul Doswell there. Um, he spoke very eloquently and very passionately, of course, about the, the ramifications of coronavirus and COVID nineteen and its impact on the National League North, National League South, and National League. Um, I didn't. I didn't realise how political that got. I didn't realise um, that uh, until today when I was reading about it, that Alan Mack got involved. That's quite a strong um, statement to get a, a local MP involved, and then to then escalate it to the sports minister who he just happens to be friendly with, Nigel Huddleston. Um, it's a pretty, pretty impressive, impressive achievement by those. I completely agree, Greg. What a coup it was to get those people on board uh, for this Promote to campaign. It was a masterstroke in the end, and it was a great campaign uh, spearheaded by Havent Warsluver and York City. And a huge shout-out has to go to York MPs, uh, Rachel Maskell and Julian Sturdy as well. They wrote to the Department of Culture, Media and Support in their support of uh, the Promote To campaign. So huge credit to everyone involved. Paul Doswell, a passionate man, and I thought his tweets were fantastic. It really got the fans on board as well. And a, a figure like Paul Doswell to come out on a platform like Twitter and speak out like that uh, in support of Promote To campaign was massive for it as well. It worked, and now we look forward to the playoffs. Yeah, and, and absolutely. We, we will um, have it in Waterloo, but obviously play in National League South. And we will cover them in a couple of minutes in both the National League South in general in a few minutes' time. But before that, uh, National League North, Tom, what are the main headlines in National League North? What, yeah. Tell me what's happening. So National League North playoffs look set to feature all six clubs after Brackley Town became the latest side to confirm their participation. York City were among the four clubs to already confirm their involvement in the playoffs alongside Boston United, Gateshead and Altrium. So Brackley chairman Francis Oliver said, we're not the only club involved to have to look long and hard at the arrangements necessary to participate in the playoffs. The finances are difficult, but we started the season aiming for one of the precious promotion places and we look forward to the competition now to see who wins through. It's the only side yet to publicly state whether or not they will be involved are Chester, who are expected to make a decision by the end of this week. The members of the Chester board will meet once again later today in an attempt to make a final call on whether or not to participate in the playoffs. It is understood that the Blues have stated their desire to nationally to take part, provided they receive full costing in order to make a rational judgment on whether or not it was financially viable for them as a fan-owned club. Chester spent the past few days poring over the details and potential ramifications and have worked up a number of potential financial hurdles that must be overcome. So they're yet to show their hand, but it is understood that the Blues are keen to participate and are exploring a number of avenues to allow them to do so. The club have previously stressed that they won't play if the risk is too great for next season and the club's longer-term future. York chairman Jason McGill had suggested it could cost his side as much as 150 grand to compete in the playoffs, a figure that Chester believe they can do for substantially less. There are a number of factors, to be fair, uh, at play in terms of costing. You know, clubs must pay for COVID-19 testing, suggested to be around £125 a go, but something that has been looked at for less than that by the Blues, subject to National League approval, obviously. So the, everyone in the playoffs competes and they're due to go ahead. Uh, they will start on July the 18th or 19th, which will begin with the Eliminators. The semi-finals at which stage York would enter are set to be played on July 25th or 26th. And the final is going to be staged on August the 1st or 2nd. Generally speaking, like it, obviously we had those on talking about Promote 2. Um, in the National League North playoffs now, now they're, they're going ahead, who do you fancy? Who do you think is best positioned to go up? I'm going to go for York City. 
I feel like they'll have that bit of extra bite determination after points per game knocking them off top spot and made Kingsland champions. They've got the quality up front in Borough and Kempster. I really like the young midfielder Green. They've got the experience at the back in McNulty, Newton and Tate. They've got the new stadium in place as well. That'll be an extra factor for them. They'll be desperate to play National League football in their brand new stadium. I think Steve Watson's done a superb job there. And speaking of Steve Watson's old club, Gateshead, they've snuck into the final playoff spot. And all credits there. Mike Williamson's really, really steadied the ship there, in my opinion, after a turbulent summer. And he's got the players on board. He's a real leader at that club. And they've got nothing to lose. You know, they were on really good form before the season got suspended. But I think this will be York's time. I feel like they've got the quality, the mentality and the setup to get over the line. The fans have got something to be excited about there, in my opinion. Moving on to part five of um, our Maiden podcast. We're going to move to the Sultan of Sutton. Um, Oliver Smart is going to provide you with a one update on National League South. And as the head of our transfer committee, he's been a very, very busy man today. Oliver, take it away. Oh, just, just pointing out Tom's point with the National League South playoffs. Uh, it's going to be Haven, Weymouth, Bath, Slough, yeah. Dartford and Dolking Wanderers competing against each other. Um, I think we found the uh, playoff fixtures if it, if it goes ahead, um, which looks more likely. Um, Bath City will be competing against Dolking Wanderers, yeah. while Slough Town will be up against Dartford. Bath and Dolking, either of those two teams plays Weymouth, while Haven plays... Slough or Dartford. Nice. So, yeah. so I mean, it's, it's, like I say, it's a, it's a very, very interesting time in, in both National League North and South. Um, and obviously, you've been a very busy man on the transfer front today, Ollie. So, take it away with the transfers. Well, yeah, I have been busy with the transfers. A lot of transfers <laughs> going on for the last couple of days. And first is Courtney Meppen-Walter. Uh, it's just left Chorley last week after spending two years with, mm. with the club. Since then, he managed to get he managed to earn a promotion with Chorley, but unfortunately, um, Chorley have gone back down to National League North. Mm. He's staying in the National League North with AFC Telford United. Second is Ineffion, Dover's top goal scorer last season, who just got released last last week. Has joined looks to be fellow National League team uh, Stevenage as. Staying with Stevenage, Femi Akawande has also joined Stevenage from Villaricky Town. Mm. One transfer that's gonna, that looks to be a good one. Um, earning a move to the EFL, Jamie Reid, um, second second place in the uh, top goal scorers of 18 goals for Torquay, has joined Mansfield Town as they try to get to League One with Eastley, uh, Joe Tomlinson and sorry if I get this wrong, uh, Adelai Baggy have both joined the Spitfires. Um, mate, you, you, mate, that's a stellar, tremendous job he did at that of pronouncing that name. We, about three or four times today, I had to tell Ollie how to, I literally spelled it out saying Abdulai. And you've, mate, like, you've, listened, you've listened to me, mate. You've listened to me. Thank you very much for heeding my advice. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> Joe Tomlinson joining Eastley from Hungerford Town and Adelaide Baggy from Weymouth. Yes. And finally, Sam Ashford from National League Southside Hemel Hempstead has joined League Two club Crawley Town. 
Interesting, man. Again, that's another person, another player may, making the jump from National League to League Two. So that's interesting enough. Oh yeah, who, who do you think of those transfers is going to make the biggest impact? Um, in the FB only, my eyes managed to get sixteen goals at Dover um, mm-hmm. last season. So he knows where the goal is, and with the right service, um, he could be a good package for Stevenage as they try to get back into the Football League next season. It's another string to Stevenage's bow next season then. Interesting interesting stuff there, that certainly is. Um, so yes, that pretty much brings us to the kind of finality and the conclusion of our podcast. Um, before, before we go though, um, I want uh, Oliver to actually give us a wee anecdote. Not a personal anecdote, just the one that we, have, we discussed in the group chat. We've got a WhatsApp group chat, don't we? And we have a, we have a lot of fun. We, we send in a lot of gifts, a lot of funny stories. Um, but I think the story that really caught my eye today, or was it yesterday, was um, Towie star, Mark Wright, Ollie, take it away. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Billy Ricky Tech looks like they're trying to sign a ex-semi-professional football player in Mark Wright from Towie, <laughs> who <laughs> used to play for Crawley Town when they were in the conference, as it was called back then, and Russian and Diamonds. So, yes, that brings us to the end of our first ever podcast. We certainly do hope you enjoyed it. And um, that is sadly all we have time for today. We sincerely hope you enjoyed the amazing podcast and we look forward to bringing you top content every Sunday evening. And next week we'll be joined by Ahmed Noor. You're, you're going you're gonna to like Ahmed. We all do. Okay. So please do. <laughs> well, uh, is this getting personal, Ollie? You and Ahmed, no, no talking? <laughs> oh, mate, you're being quiet in this one, mate. We'll, we'll dig it out of you. So yes, Ahmed's going to listen to this and be gutty. So yeah. Please do email us your questions and things you think we should be given a mention to on podcast at notthe92.com. That's podcast at notthe92.com, all lowercase. And please do follow us on Twitter and Instagram on not, sorry, at nt92pod on Twitter and on Instagram at nt92 underscore pod, all lowercase. So thanks. It's been a pleasure and we'll see you on the flip side. See you later. Goodbye.